Hallelujah. Be encouraged in the word. He that has begun a good work in you will finish it. He will accomplish that which he started. God is not a man that he should lie. Hallelujah. He is the Lord. He changes not. Somebody worship him. If God has spoken it, it is truth. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise all across this building. And let's worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God some praise. Every promise in God is yes, and in Him it is amen. So be it. Let's give Him praise. Hallelujah. Oh, let's give Jesus some praise. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. There's some folks that are sitting on a promise from God. Don't be discouraged, but be encouraged that God always keeps His promises. Hallelujah. God always keeps his promises. If you have your Bibles, the book of Luke chapter 14 and beginning in verse number 16. At this time, we'd like to dismiss our Sunday school students and their teachers to their classrooms. And everybody say, God bless our Sunday school kids. And God bless our Sunday school teachers. Amen. Jesus' name. Luke chapter 14, and beginning in verse number 16. Again, it is good to have everybody in the house of the Lord. It's good to have Elder and Sister Johnson back. Amen. From the desert state of Arizona. Amen. A little warmer out there, right? Praise God. Amen. Also good to have Brother Diaz in the house of the Lord. Amen. We've had several folks that have had surgeries, and they make it right into the house of the Lord, so we're thankful for that. Praise God. Luke chapter 14, and beginning at verse number 16. Then said he unto them, A certain man made a great supper, and bade many, and sent his servants at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for things, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I have gone to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Everybody understood that one right there. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things, then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and into the lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as you have commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said to the servant, Go out to the highways and to the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled." That is the Great Commission, folks. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. 
The reason they won't taste of his supper is one word. Everybody say excuses. I'm going to preach to us for a few moments on that subject. Excuses. Amen. Would you set down your Bibles and pray with me all across this house? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that we feel in this house. And God, I'm believing that we are going to go to another level today. We're going to use your word, and your word is going to help, amen, forever settle some things in our life. And God, I thank you, Lord, that you're giving us an opportunity to hear, amen, well before that supper time comes. Amen. God, we're going to give you great praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated for a few moments today. And excuses. This supper time that is being told by Jesus as a parable is our present day. This invitation time to come to the Lord's Supper that has already been made ready is what we would consider today to be the dispensation of grace. Now, if you've taught Bible studies or ever been in a Bible study, you may have heard the word dispensation. Dispensation is an extra-biblical word we use to break the Bible into bite-sized pieces so we can better comprehend the whole story. Dispensation is a season of time in which God deals with man in a particular way. We find seven dispensations in the Bible. Each of these there are, in each of these, there are promises that God makes and requirements that God places on man. God calls these arrangements covenants. These are love-based contracts. And when we talk about our current time frame, we could go through the Bible, and maybe we'll do that at another time, go through all the dispensations and how God deals with man according to their sin. We are no longer under the law, as many have said, and they have quoted that, but they don't understand what that means. We are not under the law, but we are under grace. In other words, we are under another dispensation, and that is a dispensation called grace. Now, in that dispensation, there are promises that God makes towards us, but there are also requirements that God places as well. This is a covenant for us. Amen. In this dispensation of grace, there is a supper that has been prepared. Everything is ready. This supper refers to the blessings and the privileges provided for mortal men by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. When we talk about the bidden, those at the beginning of the story, which we're going to preach about a little bit uh, today and that's going to be able to help us all but in the context of what Jesus is talking about the many bidden were the Jews of his day those that received the first invitation they were told before anybody else that there was a supper coming that there was a Messiah coming that there was salvation coming and they spent thousands of years looking for that Messiah and Jesus showed up. How ironic was it that Jesus is telling this story 
And I guarantee he's, he's surrounded by Pharisees, all those that understood the scriptures, and he is telling this parable amongst people he knows are currently the first group in the story. They're looking for a Messiah, and ironically, he's standing right in front of them. They're looking for the supper that is to come, and Jesus is standing right in front of them. They are looking for salvation, and the Bible says his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He's standing right there. Amen. That first group, those that were bidden, were those that had been advised a long time before. The excuses are the silly objections brought by them to Jesus and all of his claims of who he was. He is using this story, as he did many stories, to rebuke the Pharisee and those that rejected him and also to extend an invitation to those that were hungry. Amen. Those that brought excuses were the, the, those that were currently rejecting Jesus. The poor and the maimed are the publicans and sinners among both Jew and Gentile who were going to accept the invitation. Those compelled to come in from the highways and the hedges are the strangers afar off who the Bible declares were without hope in this world without Christ. Amen. I want to tell you who those people are. That's you and that's me. We can't get any further from Jerusalem, folks. Amen. We can't get any further, amen, from the people of God. If you saw some of us when we first came to God, you would say there's no hope for them, there's no way for them. But I want to tell you that this invitation was still made for you, and it was still made for me. Hallelujah. If you're hungry, you can come. If you're thirsty, you can come. You just got to come. Hallelujah. There is a supper in Jesus, and everyone in this room is invited. I want to start before we talk about excuses. I want to I want to tell you that we find a threefold reason for you and I to come to this supper in our text. Number 1, the Bible says come for all things are now ready. I want to tell you all things have been prepared. The Bible says that he shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And many have used that verse only to talk about monetary goods. But I want to tell you, all things includes all things. It's not just your finances Jesus cares about. It's not just your health Jesus cares about. It's not just your soul Jesus cares about. He cares about all things. And all things have been prepared. I want you to understand that every spiritual and temporal blessing from time and eternity is now ready and available to the common man and the common woman in Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you need forgiveness today? You can have it in Jesus. Uh, it's ready right now. Do you need peace? He's the Prince of Peace. You can have peace. It's available right now. If you need power and you feel powerless, I want you to know you can come and dine. There is power at the master's table. It's ready right now. If you need deliverance from an addiction or a mindset, I want you to know that you can come to Jesus. You can dine at his table, and there's deliverance, and it's ready right now. If you need a reason to come to Jesus, you just list whatever your problem is, and I come to tell you, Jesus has got every solution. You can come. You can come. You can come. It's ready. Somebody give Jesus some praise. Everything you need is ready in Jesus. Everything. 
All things. All things are ready. Well, I just don't know if Jesus can take care of whatever it is. He can take care of it. You just got to come to Jesus. Amen. Second reason you should come is because the Bible says, amen, come for everyone is invited. He said, you go out and you invite the halt, the maimed, the lame. I'm going to talk about that for a minute. Uh, amen. This invitation was no longer exclusive. The first invitation was for those that were already bidden. But after they rejected and said no, he said, you go out and find everybody else. What group do I belong in? I belong in the everybody else. I don't fit in with those that maybe had it all together. I fit in with everybody else. Well, I don't know where I fit in. You fit in in this church because we're everybody else. Well, I don't know where I belong. You belong in this church because we're everybody else. Well, I was born into this family. You're welcome in this family now. Well, I got this language. I got this skin tone. You're welcome in this family. It's for everybody. This gospel is not exclusive under the dispensation of the law. It was for the Jews and the proselytes. That's it. Those that could uphold the law, but under the dispensation of grace, it is now available to you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I thank God he didn't leave me out. The first group he invited, he said, you invite the poor, those who feed on stale scraps and who have never known what it is to have a thoroughly satisfying feast. Amen. Spiritually speaking, when we talk about the spiritually poor, amen, we're talking about those who go from worldly pleasure to worldly pleasure, begging for something that satisfies, only to be disappointed and realize nothing else satisfies. This is the woman at the well who's had five husbands and is currently shacked up, going from man to man, looking for somebody who's going to make her better, only realizing every one of those men left her worse, and she finally meets the seventh man. Hallelujah. If you don't know the story, that seventh man is Jesus. You got man problems, you need to come to Jesus. He's the man that will take care of it all. You got people problems, you need to come to Jesus. Uh, he's the one that will take care of it all. Well, I just, I just need to try this, and I need to try that. No, you don't. You need to come to Jesus because as long as you keep going back to that well, you'll keep on being thirsty. But if you can come to Jesus, the well that never runs dry, if you can come to this well, he said you'll drink and you'll never thirst again. Hallelujah. Amen. Those, he said, call unto those that are poor. The second group, he said, call the maimed, those that have been deprived of some of their limbs, who have become hopelessly mutilated. Spiritually speaking, this class represents those whose conscience has been seared, whose willpower may have been cut off because of decisions or life choices. This is the drug addict who will do anything for a hit. I want to tell you, that person is welcome in the kingdom of God. I'm talking to some folks who were ex-drug addicts, and you know what it is. You would, you would lie, cheat, steal, kill, do any immoral thing just to get another hit. Amen. You were maimed in your life, and Jesus says, you call to that person, and you bring them into my house so that my house can be filled. I want to tell you, every drug addict is welcome to come to Apostolic Revival Center. Every alcoholic is welcome. Doesn't matter how maimed they become by life. Doesn't matter what other people have done to them. We will love them. We will pray for them. You are welcome at this supper. You are welcome in this house. 
I've been in too many places. I preached in a lot of churches that said everybody was welcome until you started bringing everybody, and then all of a sudden they weren't welcome. That's not how this church is. You bring them, they're welcome. You, we'll love them. We'll work with them. If they want to get a hold of Jesus, they can come to this house, and they can eat of this supper just like me. Oh, somebody give God some praise. Amen. He third talks about bringing in the halt, those that have all their limbs, but in a crooked and deformed condition, whose manner of walk is neither straight nor steady. They can't seem to walk straight no matter how hard they try. Their best effort is not enough. This is what we would call the good person. Amen. They do their best to appear all right, but they cannot possibly conceal what is really going on. This is the alcoholic lawyer. This is the smoking doctor. Hallelujah. This is the person that has got a nice car, but their life is falling apart. This is the person that's got a nice house, but their marriage is collapsing. They look like they got it all together, but no matter how hard they try, no matter how good they are, no matter how well they do in the merit system of America, they cannot seem to walk a straight path. They stumble, they fall. Amen. And Jesus said, you go find that person and you bring them to the house of the Lord. I want to tell you that the church is for everybody. The church is for everybody. Uh, you can live in a nice house on the hill, amen, but you still need to come into the kingdom. You can, you can barely have a box on the side of the road. You need to come into the kingdom. Everybody's got to come to the supper. Amen. Finally, he talks about the blind. Those that can walk pretty straight, they do their best, in fact, walking pretty straight. But in the blackness of dark, all the time, they cannot see. Their outward life may be all right in the eyes of other people, but they do not know where they are going. They are in an unconscious danger. Amen. You can explain the truth to them, and they will say, I just don't see it. Amen. This is, spiritually speaking, the religious, the moral, but they are doctrinally blind. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, this church is for everybody. You can come in with whatever crazy theology you want to bring because as soon as you come in contact with the truth, it's going to change you. You can come in blind, stumble your way through the doors, not know what you believe, but by the time you get done, we're going to teach you Acts 2.38. By the time you get done, we're going to teach you the way of the Lord. By the time you get done, we're going to show you the path of holiness that is straight. But you got to come to the supper. Come with your religious background. Come with your broken paradigm. But come to the house of the Lord. Come in with your walking stick. Come in blind. Come in from every church hurt you ever came from. But brothers and sisters, come to the church. Come in Baptist. Come in Methodist. Come in Catholic. Come in Buddhist. But you got to leave apostolic. Come in however you want to come. Come in blind. But go out seeing. Oh, somebody ought to give him praise. We got some ex-Catholics in the house of the Lord. We love our ex-Catholics because they went down in Jesus' name just like everybody else. We got some ex-Baptists that went down in Jesus' name just like everybody else. We got some ex-agnostics that just believed in some form of God, but they went down in Jesus' name just like everybody else. Come in blind, but just come in. Come in halt, but just come in. Come in maimed, but just come in. Come in poor, but just come in. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. And the final reason we should come, not only is it for everybody, amen, 
Not only is everything ready, but the final reason you should come to Jesus, because there's still room. Hallelujah. If that don't make anybody excited, it makes me excited. Hallelujah. There's still room. We can fill up every seat in this house, but there's still room at the supper table. We can fill up the next building, but there's still room at the supper table. We can baptize everybody in this city, but there's still room at the master's table. I thank God that there's still room. I want to help somebody. The house is being rapidly filled up with party guests. Don't let anybody lie to you and make you think that nobody's interested in truth, that this generation's lost it. Uh, Listen, I've got my own opinion on, on this whole Asbury thing. But I'll tell you what, God will respond to hungry people. And he will lead and guide into all truth. That's what happened at Azusa Street. That's why we're an apostolic church today. Because there were people of all groups that came, had a prayer meeting, got filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost began to convict and talk and speak. So don't give up on this generation because there's still people that are hungry for God. And this house is rapidly filling up. Amen. You might think, well, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Just because it doesn't happen in your back door, amen, doesn't mean it's not happening all across the world. Uh, Amen. I want to tell you, there is still room. uh, Amen. We don't know how much room there is. Uh, We don't know how much time there is. Uh, We don't know when the master is going to shut the door. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. Uh, But there's still room. Uh, There's still love. Uh, There's still mercy. Mercy, there's still grace. You've got to come. But there were three main excuses for why some people didn't come. And I'm going to talk about excuses for just a minute. The first one said, I have something else to see. I bought a piece of ground and I must needs go see it. Amen. Why is it that men must go see after their earthly possessions, but they don't always have time for God. Hallelujah. What is it with the excuse, I've got to go see something else? Uh, Amen. There's people that, well, I I might find my answer over here. When Jesus has provided your answer right here in this altar, But we can get in trouble when we let our eyes lead us and not our faith lead us. We can say, Lord, I just got to go see something else before I will finally make the decision. There are many interesting things in the world that can be seen, but nothing that can be seen by the eyes of man can be compared with what Jesus Christ has to show. It doesn't matter what you have to see. Nothing. The Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the good things that God has prepared for those that love him. Nothing you can see compares to the feast that Jesus has provided. And this man said, hey, have me excused. I got to go see some other things. I still got to, I still got to see. This is usually the challenge, even with a lot of younger people. There's still so much of the world I want to see. Till you get to the time you're, you know, older. And I'll finally then, I've seen it all. Problem is, is that by that point, you've wasted years of your life trying to scavenge on the worlds. You are the, you are the prodigal son that is eating what the pigs don't even want to eat. And by the time you come, you finally come to your senses and realize there was nothing worth seeing out there. Anybody that's been in the world, anybody that's been out in the world can tell you there's a lot of hurt out there. 
Come on, somebody, help me out here today. There's a lot of pain out there. You don't need to go out in the world and experience what's going on out there. You can just observe it via somebody else and recognize the pain they're going through. I don't know where people got off on this idea. I've got to experience it myself. No, you don't. You don't have to experience a gunshot wound to know a gunshot wound don't feel good. You don't need to experience a divorce to understand divorce is not always the answer. You don't need to experience sin to recognize that sin will lead me further than I want to go. You don't need to go out and see it. you got to get rid of the excuse. The second group said, I've got something else to do. Got to beware of this excuse. I'm, I've got some oxen. i got to go prove them. He was more anxious to prove the oxen than he was to prove the king's riches. Some people seem to think that they have the time to obey the call of God when they have nothing else to do. I've got something else to do. I've heard this excuse a billion times. Amen. Well, I'd be there, but I got, I got other things to do. I'll, do, I'll live for Jesus when I have nothing else to do. I want to tell you, that day will never come. If you, can't, if you can't keep people bound by drugs and alcohol, you know what the devil will do? He'll keep you busy. This is what Pharaoh did with the slaves in Egypt. When he couldn't keep them bound spiritually, he just kept them busy with a whip on their back. And the more they talked about freedom, the busier that he made them. And you've got to be careful when your job's always getting you to work overtime and you can't make it to church because you've got something else to do. You've got to be careful when there's always a project at the house that needs to be taken care of, but you can't make it to the house of the Lord. You've got to be careful and watch out for the excuse. Because there will always be something else to do. There will always be something else to do. There will always be something else to do. And somewhere along the lines, uh, we can't look up to heaven and say, please excuse me. I've got all these other things. Uh, because God, who's outside of time, looks down and said, I gave you a set amount of years. Uh, and you didn't use one of them for me. Get up uh, and use your life. Uh, let everything that has breath uh, praise the Lord. Got to be careful of the excuse. I've got other things to do. Those that will persist in going on proving their own worldly interests until they finally prove themselves fools. And they realize that the U-Haul doesn't follow the hearse. And I've said this a million times, but the same job that will keep you out of the house of the Lord will fire you and get somebody else. Well, they love me. No, they don't. They use you. There's a big difference. God loves you. God loves you when you act in a fool. <laughs> Your job, you act a fool, they fire you. They don't love you. <laughs> they love themselves. They love their stock and shareholders. Uh, amen. And you got to be careful if you don't think, if we start thinking that, that I've got all these other things to do. And what happens is we do what Jesus said not to do. We serve mammon. <laughs> the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he'll take care of all that other stuff. If we would put Jesus first, he would put us first. Uh, amen. But there's people that they've got the excuse, I've got other things to do. Uh, I've got to go to college. I've got to get a degree. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to. And then after I've done it all, busy here, busy there. And then finally the chance at eternal life is gone forever because I was so busy being busy. I've come to preach to somebody. Uh, this is revival, church. This is revival. When we get rid of the excuses uh, that says, I got something else to do. I've got something else to see. I've got somewhere else to be. No. 
Oh, somebody lift up your hands and magnify the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. God help us. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to everybody, myself included, because I got excuses just like everybody else. Amen. And God help us with our excuses. Finally, the third reason and the third group that they said, have me excused, I got something else to enjoy. Said, I married a wife, therefore I cannot come. And he said, surely everybody understands this. All new relationships, whether they be business, matrimonial, relational, are sure to have a powerful influence in our lives. There's no sin in marrying a wife. There's no sin in buying a house. There's no sin in forming a new friendship. There's no sin in starting a new hobby. There's no sin in looking forward to a coming event. There's no sin in starting a business. There's no sin until you let the affections of those things enter your heart and the kingdom of God starts getting pushed out to the back burner. Nothing wrong with having relationships. Nothing wrong with having connections. Nothing wrong with having hobbies. But the moment that all of a sudden we start saying, I got something else that'll keep me for a moment distracted, that'll keep my mind away from Jesus, that'll keep my mind. Amen. You got to be careful in this world. They are medicating on social media. They are medicating, amen, with every pursuit and every hobby. They are medicating on Netflix. They are medicating on Hulu. They are medicating on YouTube. They're just painting and falling away one by one because they've got something else to enjoy. But brother, when you come to this house, when you come to the supper, you'll realize that this is better than that. I've come to preach to you until you believe it. This is better than that. This is better than a new hobby. This is better than a boat. This is better than a new relationship. This, this is better than getting your degree. You can get your degree and serve Jesus. But if you have to choose, this is better. Getting married is great. But if you have to choose, this is better. Somebody clap your hands and give the Lord some praise. I'm sure there's a lot of things that are enjoyable, but this is better than that. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's magnify the Lord. Come on, we, God, deliver me of my excuses. I got something else to see. I got something else to do. I got something else to entertain me. I got something else to tickle my ears. I got something else that'll just keep me distracted for a little while. I've got something else, but you've missed out on the supper. You missed out on Jesus. You missed out on prayer meetings that'll change your life. You missed out on all these other things because of an excuse. When Queen Elizabeth II was about to be crowned, she sent out an invitation to all of her subjects chosen to be present for the occasion. The invitation was sent out to her peers in other kingdoms, to members of her government, to representatives of the common people. But every invitation bore the same closing statement, whether you were a king, a princess, 
or you were just a peasant that was welcome. All excuses ceasing. All excuses ceasing. Because when royalty issues you an invitation, it is not an ordinary matter. It is a command. And thus, the gospel's presentation is not just an invitation. It is a command. Making excuse is nothing short of rebellion against the king. And there can be no excuse with standing with Jesus. No man or woman, or child has ever been able to form a God-satisfying excuse for not accepting, amen, this invitation. And it will never happen. Hallelujah. we got to be careful of making excuses, church. Excuses don't excuse you. Excuses don't excuse me. Amen, the invitation was put out there. And whether I accept it or not, the excuse does not actually excuse me. We must be careful when making excuses. Amen. Excuses are simply this. They are seeking to be the exception to the rule. Well, I, I, I don't really want to be baptized because I don't like water. That's an excuse. And you want to be the exception to the rule. Peter looked at all of them in Acts chapter 10, and he said, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have to receive the Holy Ghost as well as we? And the Bible doesn't say he encouraged them. The Bible doesn't say he worked with them. He counseled them. No, the Bible says he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. In other words, there is no exception to the rule. No excuse. No excuse. No excuse. You must repent of your sins. You must be baptized in Jesus' name. You must be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Excuses are the lies that we tell ourselves and others when the truth is actually quite simple. You want to hear the truth behind every excuse? I'm going to help everybody here. Amen. Some people are just bound by excuses. They love excuses. Here's the simple truth behind excuses. I don't want to. You fill in the blank. Any excuse you give, I don't want to. We use excuse to save face and hopefully to spare the emotions of another person. But if we're honest, we simply just don't want to do it. The problem with excuses is that we always phrase it in a way that are valid to us. And in a way that nobody could ever bring it back on us because they would be mean if they did. Well, Jesus, I would, but, and we give a sob story that says why we can't. Well, Pastor, I would, but, and there's always something there. I don't really need the excuse. No is a complete sentence in my book. That's all right. But, but sometimes we think that if we give an excuse, uh, amen, we are not just asking for understanding. We are demanding it. You must understand my excuse, and you must accept it. Because if not, you're the bad person. That's really why we make excuse. Imagine this. Listen, you can make an excuse with your spouse. You can make an excuse with your boss. You can make an excuse, excuse with me as the pastor. And you know what? I'm going to do my best to make you feel good about it. But at the end of the day, you cannot make an excuse to God that is acceptable. So we might as well break the excuse habit with other people as well. Because if my excuses with God won't matter, then I need to just stop making excuses altogether. 
Can I preach to somebody? Excuses are holding people back from their potential. Well, you got the potential, but what are you doing with it? Well, I would, but I could, but you've got the potential. We acknowledge you got the potential, but what are you doing with it? Excuses are holding people back from their calling. I would do it, but I'm just waiting for somebody to come by, lay their hands on me, and give me the go-ahead to do what God's told me to do. Amen. Excuses are holding you back. Excuses are keeping people in bondage. I would get free, but I just kind of enjoy it. And this is just what I'm used to. Excuses are keeping people out of heaven. Excuses are keeping people from a better marriage. Well, if she would just fix it. Well, if he would just get this right. If they would just, if they would just. It's an excuse for you to not fix yourself. Excuses are keeping people bound by broken finances. But if you would just say, I'm tired of going into debt. I'm putting myself on a budget. You get out of that mess. Excuses are keeping people lukewarm in church, lukewarm on a pew, lukewarm on live stream. But if they get rid of the excuse, they could be on fire for Jesus. Somebody clap your hands and stand all across the building. I don't want to be bound. I don't want to be bound. I don't want to be bound by my excuses. I don't want to be held back by my excuses. I don't want my excuses to be the reason uh, that I'm excused from the supper. Come on, somebody lift up your hands and magnify the Lord. Come on, let's pray. This is an opportunity for us to just clear the air with Jesus and say, Lord, you already know every excuse that I've made. You already have them counted down. Every idle word will be judged. And Lord, I'm just coming to you today saying, Lord, I just didn't really want it. I didn't really want to do it, but Lord, I believe that if I'll come with you, come to you with honesty, you can help me overcome my excuses. I didn't just come to tell everybody what we already know about excuses, that we just don't want to. I come to help us overcome excuses today. Acknowledging the areas that you just don't want to do, X, Y, or Z, you fill in the blank, is the first step to overcoming excuses. Well, I just don't want, I don't want anybody to feel bad. No, I just, I just don't want to. At least acknowledge it to yourself. Let me break it and churchify it for us. I don't want to pray. No, 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 that's not what we say. We say, well, I just didn't have time. Brother, we have 24 hours in a day. And don't let me check your iPhone. God sees it, and so does Apple. It's called screen time. Look it up. I just don't have time. Oh, you have time. Let's drop the excuse for a minute. I just didn't want to. How freeing is that? I know that sounds a little, man, you shouldn't say that in church. You're supposed to say, oh, man, I felt like praying today. God bless you, because some days I don't feel like it. In fact, there's a lot of days I don't feel like it, because my flesh doesn't feel like it. Well, I, ju I just don't have time. You know what we do? We've assuaged our guilt, but we're still guilty. We feel a little bit better, but it didn't change anything. I just don't want to forgive them. Pastor, I heard what you preached. I just don't agree. My flesh just don't agree. My flesh wants to hold on to the bitterness because I want to. Man, you are that much closer to being delivered. 
than the person that says, well, you know, I would, but, you know, I just, I'll think about it. No, 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 no. You're going to push it off to the back of your mind, and it's never going to come back up again until they offend you again. I just don't want to be involved. No desire. Okay. Okay. Because we can work with that. Once we start to acknowledge what we don't want, we can start to understand the why behind it. Let's be honest and take this statement for a moment. I don't want to pray because I'm currently not being challenged by God to be more, and it's really comfortable, and I like it. And I know that I don't want to lose my comfort, so I'm allowing my mind to sink deeper and deeper into carnality as a result. I'm letting my mind be medicated by everything I see on social media. I'm letting my mind be medicated by everything that is going on in the world around me. I'm letting it be medicated by the things that I'm watching, the things that I'm involved in, and I kind of like it. I don't want to pray because I know God will speak to me and convict me about changing my life. And I don't want it. Because I know it's going to take work and energy that I don't want to use. And ultimately, I just want to be left alone. Well, Pastor, I just didn't have the time. No, that's all right. I couldn't make it tonight, church, because just, man, just tell me you're going to make it. We'll pray for you. And I'm, I'm just using this. We're all in church today. Everybody in church, y'all should feel good right now. Amen. Uh, but, but really, the story is I just didn't want to. Because we're going to have somebody else rise up in judgment that had it way harder than us. We will be left without any excuse. Man, I just, you know, church was far. And the nice car God blessed me with. And yet, the person walked to church 30 miles. Well, no excuse will be necessary at the judgment. No excuse will work at the judgment. And no excuse works today. This is the level of honesty that we really need if we're going to overcome excuses. No more excuses. Amen. That ought to be the prayer of every apostolic person in the 21st century. No more excuses to why we are not fulfilling the great commission where he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Well, I just don't have that gift, brother. Yes, you do. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Well, I, I just listen, you can open your home. You may not be the teacher, but you got the opportunity to gather a crowd. You can still fulfill the Great Commission. Eventually, we've got to eliminate excuses by reality and by truth. Amen. Let me break it down. Peter could fish all night long, but he couldn't pray for one hour. That's in the Bible. He said, we toiled all night and caught nothing. And when Jesus said, go out and fish some more, he said, sure. We'll do it for a buck, but not for the Lord. We'll do it for a promotion, but what about Jesus? We'll do it just so we can keep our job, but what about the Lord? We'll do it for a hobby, but what about Jesus? Oh, man, I don't want to go to church. It's too, it's too hot. But we'll go out in the middle of summer on the boat when it's 85, 90 degrees out. We've got to get rid of it. People that say, man, I don't want to go to church because the church is too loud are the same people that got a loud motorcycle. Amen. The same people that go to a concert where it's blaring. The same people say, I don't want to go to church because it takes too long. We'll sit down and watch a three-hour movie on their iPhone. No excuses. No excuses. We all heard this one. My dog ate my homework. That's why I can't turn it in. Good luck using that one on Jesus. The dog ate my Bible. 
The dog ate my Bible. I couldn't read it, you know. Did you eat, did you eat your iPhone too? Your Android? Your AirPods? Your nice computer? Hey, man, everything's digital now. We are without excuse. Okay, I believe you. I believe you. Your dog ate your homework. But now we got to look past the excuse into the execution. What are we going to do about it now? I'm going to really talk about overcoming excuses. This is how we do it right here. We're honest about it, and now we got to do something about it. What is your remedy for the situation? Are you prepared to do the homework over again? It should be easy since you already did it. Let me bring it back home and we're done. Oh, I, I would, but my childhood was really rough. That's an excuse a lot of people are using. And that's why I am the way I am. That's why I'm sharp with people, critical. That's why I have no peace for people. Because I, 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 this is what I was when I was a child. I believe you. But now you're 40 years removed from the child abuse. You've lived longer as an adult than you did as a kid. What are you going to do about it now? I've, I've been feeling the Holy Ghost to preach the most practical things I've ever preached in my life because I believe this is what's going to bring revival. No more excuses about what happened to you when you were five. I'm not saying we ignore it. Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Let's counsel about it. But let's get actionable about it. Let's do something where we can move beyond it. Let me help somebody. We need to stop being haunted by ghosts. You need to stop letting ghosts haunt you. What do I mean by that? I mean this. I have almost lived longer without my abusive father since he passed away than I had him alive. And I cannot use that half of my life as an excuse to why I'm not doing it in this half of my life. Yes, I grew up, uh, amen, homeless multiple times, broke, but I cannot use it as an excuse to not pay my bills today. Yes, I didn't get the education that some other people got. Yes, I didn't get set up like some other people got. But here I am in my mid-30s. i got to move beyond the excuse and do something. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I have had more time to escape what happened to me than the years it happened to me. Don't let the ghost haunt you. Don't let the past haunt you. Don't let the excuse haunt you. Don't let the divorce from 35 years ago be the excuse for your marriage today. I'm talking to broken people, real people. Jesus told this parable of several people that had valid excuses. Everybody say valid excuses. Who were they valid to? Themselves. But no matter the excuse that we have, we must still answer the call of God. Well, I would, but I would, get, I would go to the altar, but I don't want to be embarrassed, get past the excuse. I don't want anybody thinking bad about me. I'd rather have everybody think I'm an idiot and think that I'm a sinner and think that I've got it, even though that's not what the altar's for. The altar's a place of help and restoration, but, 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 it, but it goes back to what I preached last week. You've got to get beyond the excuse and just, just get up and say, all right, I'm just going to do what God said. 
I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to go to church. I'm just going to go to the altar. I'm just going to get in that baptistry. Amen. I'm just going to I'm just going to make it up in my mind. I'm going to live for God and nothing is going to stop me. Amen. No mindset is going to hold me back. I'm going to stop letting excuses hold me back from my potential. Lift up your hands. I'm done right here. Somebody pray all across this building. This is from the pulpit to the pew and from the pew back up to the pulpit. This is from me to you and you to me. We need to get rid of excuses. We need to let God deliver us of excuses. I am guaranteeing your walk with God will get on fire if you will get rid of the excuses. I guarantee your marriage will get better if you will just get rid of the excuses. I guarantee amen your your life will improve if you just get rid of the excuses. I guarantee amen that things will change if we just just get rid of the excuses, but we got to lay the excuses down at the altar. I want to open up this altar. Let's all come. Everybody come. Everybody come. Not one individual left in that seat. Come on. Come on, because right now you have been thinking about every excuse that you have made as to why you can't, and and you've been bound by it because it's valid to you. But you need to pray that the Lord would set your mind free from excuses. Come on, come on, pack in, pack in, pack in. Come on, pack in. Come as close as you can. Lift your hands in the air and say, Lord, I don't want to be bound by excuses. God, I don't want my excuses to hold me out of heaven. I don't want my excuses to hold my marriage back. I don't want my excuses to hold my walk with God back. I don't want my excuses to hold my kids back. I don't want my excuses maybe to hold my church back. I don't want my excuses to hold my ministry back. I don't want my excuses to hold my business back. God, help me to be delivered of excuses. Come on. If you're willing to be honest and say, you know, Lord, there's just some things I don't want to do. You can ask God to give you the strength and the courage to do it. You can ask God for the courage and the strength to do something about what God has told you. Come on. That's it. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost until the excuse leaves, until the excuse departs from your mind. start touching hearts. Come on, there's no condemnation right now. If you lay that excuse down, the invitation is still open. You're still welcome at the feast. You're still welcome in the altar. You're still welcome in the kingdom. Come on. He said all things are ready. You just got to come. Just gotta come. Every demographic, every background, you're welcome. Come to the kingdom. Come to the king. Come on. There's room for you. There's room for you. There's room for your family. There's room for your marriage. There's room for your kids. Just like a day.
heavy hands. No excuses, God. No more excuses, God. I'm just going to do it. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands all across this house. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, lift up your hands knowing that you've been invited to the greatest feast this world's ever known. To live for the one true living God. To serve the King of Kings. You've been invited into a kingdom 
that at one point we were not welcome in. We were not invited into, but Lord, we've been born again into. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't want anything to keep me out of that kingdom. I don't want anything to keep me out of your, out of your presence, oh God. I don't want anything to keep me from the purpose you have in my life, Jesus. You know, the Bible says at the end, those that made excuse did not taste of his supper. There was a blessing that you miss if you make excuse. There are blessings we miss when we make excuse. But if we live a life without excuse, it's not easy. All of us are, I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to us. Because we all in the same boat. We all have something that we just put on the top shelf of priority in our mind. And we use that as our reason. That's really all excuses are. They're just, they're just moral relative reasoning. Based on my value system, this is what's most important. All we need to do is say, God, help me to reevaluate what is most important. If we will live without excuse, think of the things that will be accomplished. On a, on a, on a, on a kingdom-wide basis, think of, of, of your family being saved. No more excuses. We're going to live for God. We're, going to, we're just going to live for God. Think on a kingdom-wide level how many people you can get to live for God. Well, I don't know, and you know, maybe they won't live. You know, what I, you know what I learned a long time ago in sales? Don't make the decision for them. Well, they may not want it. If you project onto somebody else, they may not want it. I'm going to tell you, you need to fall back in love with your, in sales, they fall in love with your product, right? We don't have sales. Jesus is free. He just paid a very high price. You need to fall back in love with Jesus. Because if I love Jesus, I want everybody to love Jesus. Man, a good friend tells you where all the good places are to eat. Right? They tell you where to find a good supper. There's no better supper than Jesus. Hallelujah. There's no better, there's no better food than, than, than in the kingdom of God and what you get from Jesus. There is no greater experience than being filled with the Holy Ghost. Imagine we get rid of the excuses the businesses that God has already ordained for you to open would open imagine that marriage you want with your with your spouse you got rid of the excuses it is possible and most likely to happen everything we have in life if we were to really look at why we don't have it there's an excuse in there somewhere well, I wasn't born into this family. I, that's all right. That's all right. It really is possible in America for you to really. And that's just in America. You take into consideration you're in the kingdom of God. Oh, whew. God will use you. God will bless you. God will favor you. God will open up doors no man can shut. And he'll shut doors no man can open. He will do things that no degree could ever do. He will do things that no, no correct connection can ever do. Do I got a witness in the house of the Lord? But we got to get up and just say, all right, Lord, I'm laying these excuses down. In fact, I'm giving them to you, and I want you to keep them for me. And next time I go to make an excuse, remind me that I don't have that excuse anymore because I already gave it to you. Amen? Amen. I believe great things are coming out of this service. Would you lift up your hands one more time as we pray? Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We thank you today. God, this is a word I felt in my heart. 
felt from your spirit to preach. And I believe that if we will get a hold of this, I believe that we will see the greatest revival we have ever seen on, on personal fronts, on a church front, on every level, in every area that we can calculate and those that we cannot calculate in our personal lives and in our church life. I believe, God, we're going to see great things. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to live beyond the excuses that we have made to ourselves, God. Tell us and teach us that there's a greater way than that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. Shake hands. Be friendly. Love one another. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Tuesday night at prayer. In Jesus' name, God bless you.